Well, thank you very much for sharing with us. We, uh, I realize that your family, of course, will be aware of most of the things that you share with us, but a lot of us are not, uh, are not hearing from you on a regular basis on some of the um, specific things that you face, and so it's been really helpful. And thank you very much for sharing with us. We appreciate it very much. Um, we know that it's not going to be easy whenever you move away into a new environment and adjust to that new environment. Uh, even without a lot of challenges, it's not always easy. And then when you have other challenges. So uh, we're not surprised that there would be challenges, but we, uh, we, uh, this is why we want to know a little bit more so that we can intercede on your behalf. We can pray uh, and ask the Lord on your behalf. And that's what we will do and continue to do. The other thing, of course, that's uh, very important to us that we desire for you, I must uh, also observe that when you go back, it'll be a little different than when you left. You left as two, and now you go back as three. Well, you really left as three, but one was hidden, right? (laughs) One was hidden. And when you go back, the one who was hidden will not be hidden anymore. So this this is a new set of circumstances that you have, and so... This is a great joy, and so we're so thankful for this. I want to say, I want to observe that um, that is very important. I know this is true for you because I know it's true for everyone, that it's impossible to give what you don't have, right? So whenever we find ourselves in a position where we have to give but we don't have anything to give, that's, that's a tough situation. So... At a very uh, elementary level, foundational level, one of the most important things you can possibly have is the resources of, of, of the Lord that you can be edified and built up in your own spirit and soul so that your walk with Jesus is alive and so that you commune with him and he communes with you so that out of that fellowship you are able to give. That will be the key. And that's what we really desire for you more than anything else uh, is that to uh, be told that you need to teach something that you're not prepared to teach? I mean, it, it reminds me of when I first went to Elmer to teach, and the last thing in the world I thought I would be called upon to teach was English. One of the things I had to teach was English, and uh, so I had to learn English on the fly before I could teach English. Uh, my uh, idea of uh, of English was from high school. And so, what, for whatever reason, I think I might have, might have drawn, drawn the short straw. But, uh, so, but what it turned out to be, is it turned out to be a great blessing. It turned out to be a wonderful blessing. And I, can, uh, I, have, uh, I have benefited from that tremendously in the years since that time. When it comes to writing, there are many things that I learned in the process of trying to teach something. So, I know that you'll benefit from that as well. Well, this morning I'd like to share just for a few moments with you and perhaps share, it is related somewhat to what we shared last week, but a little bit different. And I want to basically just kind of share a little bit with you this morning on the idea of he knew me or the thought of he knew me. And I want to ask you to turn in your Bible with me to Jeremiah chapter 1. Just a couple of verses I'll read to begin, then just a few comments My sense this morning is that it would be providential for us to share a little bit in terms of um, that which is pertinent to the young families 
Justin, Lindsay, and George. I'm going to use you a little bit, if you don't mind, as examples, but Justin and Lindsay and George is a family, and they're starting out. In many ways, they're starting out. Some of us, you see, we have, many years ago, we kind of started out where you are now. There are others of a different generation, a couple of generations here, between myself and, and, and you. And uh, so uh, we, we have a sense of the kinds of things that are important, and we want to share with you from, from uh, those things that we have learned. There are other families, other young families beginning. And we're at a period of time now where we have numerous ones. Some of you have recently married, and you look forward to a period of time where you will start families, your family, and have children enter into your union. Some already have. Some are in the process of that happening. And this is so an entirely new generation now is, uh, is, is coming to pass, is beginning. And so we want to share a little bit with that in mind that the Lord knows in, in advance. He knew me uh, from before. He has known me in advance. And he knows you in advance. And he knows your little ones in advance. And Calvin is holding his grandson. And uh, does that, have you, you're accustomed to that now, Calvin, the idea, you're a grandpa? You're just learning. <laughs> you're just, and, and so Calvin is a grandpa. And uh, he's holding uh, his grandson. Isn't that a wonderful thing? And, and he's holding a little, a little boy. His name is George. And, and uh, George is going to, over a period of time, George is going to grow up and become a, uh, a young man. He's going to be a little boy. He's going to become a young man. He's going to go to school. He's going to have all these experiences. And then, as the Lord tarries and as time continues, he's, uh, he's going to go through all the stages that uh, you have gone through. Justin and Calvin, and so we uh, we intensely desire heaven's best for these young ones, and we want to emphasize. Let me read this passage from Jeremiah chapter one. It says, "Then the word of the Lord came to me, that is to Jeremiah, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew and approved of you as my chosen instrument, and before you were born, I separated and set you apart." consecrating you, and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. It advances the idea, and we find this in numerous places throughout the Scripture, that God knows us in advance. As we said last week, God exists outside of time, no restrictions from time, and knows the end from the beginning. And so Jeremiah was realizing that he was before he was formed in the womb, that God knew him. He said that God approved of him, and before he was born, he was separated and set apart and consecrated to be a prophet to the nations. Now, sometimes when people think in terms of this idea that, uh, that God actually knows and there is a book written, in other words, that God has a book, and we'll see, read about this in a moment, and that all the details of our life are actually recorded in this book that God has. Now, these are words used, a book and so on. These are all words to uh, convey an idea so that we can understand it. I'm not suggesting that God has a literal book like this, but the idea is that God knows it all in advance. And so oftentimes what human beings do is then they fall into what I would consider to be a ditch on the other side of that idea, and they say, well, it's all predestined. If it's all foreknown, it must be predestined. 
And if it's all predestined, then there's no choice. We have no choice. We just automatically do those things according to that which is predestined for us to do, and so they don't believe in the freedom of choice. Now, can you hold two ideas at the same time? Can you hold, do you have the ability to hold a couple of ideas that seem to not really be uh, in exact harmony? Can you hold them both at the same time? I think you can. Uh, you can weigh, and, and to weigh things, you have to be able to hold the idea of contrary points of view and be able to balance them at the same time. In the things of God, there is the idea, of course, very clearly presented in Scripture that God knows it all and knows the details of our lives before they're actually played out. Yet at the same time, the Scripture is very clear that there is the freedom for us to choose from our perspective, from within time and space, we are entirely free to choose. Can I give you an example? I'm going to use uh, somebody who's not here this morning as an illustration. He enjoys being used as an illustration. I'm going to use my son, Stephen. I think I know a considerable amount about my son, Steve. For example, if Steve were to be driving down through to London, Ontario, through Michigan, there's a place down there called Birch Run. You ladies are all familiar with Birch Run. It's a place where you stop and do your shopping and so on and so forth. Let's assume now this morning that there's a, as Steve is driving down towards uh, London, Ontario, through Michigan, let's assume for a moment that I want to be able to get a hold of him. But he doesn't have his cell phone turned on, but I'd like to get a hold of him. It's kind of important that I get a hold of him. Then assume with me that I find out this may or may not be true, I don't know, but I find out that there is a Birch Run, I find out that there is a Tim Hortons there. There probably isn't, but let's just assume that there is. There's a Tim Hortons there at Birch Run. And I know that Steve is going down and I need to get a hold of him. So, so I know that there's this huge billboard, there's Tim Hortons, turn off at Birch Run. Well, I say to myself, I know Steve, I know Tim Hortons, and I know Steve, and I know that he is more likely than not to turn into Tim Hortons. It's almost guaranteed he's going to go in there. I know it because I know him. So I call Tim Hortons in uh, Birch Run, and I talk to the girl. Let's, let's assume it's a girl that works at the little you know, window. And they say, yeah, you can talk. And I say, well, now, and I describe him, and I describe the vehicle. And within the next hour and a half, this vehicle should be moving through that area. It's very important that you relay a message to him from me. Tell him to phone his father. It's almost guaranteed that the phone is going to ring and it's going to be Steve. Now, is Steve free to make that choice of whether or not he's going to stop? Is it predestined someplace that Steve will stop at Birch Run? No. Does God know that he will stop there? Yes. But is he free not to? Yes. May he drive right on by? Yes. Could he have stopped someplace else and then said, uh, I don't think I need another coffee I just had. No, that'll not happen. <laughs> so what the, the, the point is that even oftentimes in our lives with limited knowledge and limited understanding, we sometimes can be very close to 100% accurate in what a person is likely to do in given situations because we know them. But they are free at the same time, perfectly free to do it or not to do it. We have no trouble absorbing that idea. Now, just carry that to the other idea where God, with absolute, unlimited knowledge and understanding, 
um, knows the end from the beginning, nothing, no secret hid, nothing hidden, then it's very, I think, reasonable for us to realize that God will know in advance based on his pre-knowledge or foreknowledge, but at the same time, the individual living in time and space is perfectly free to say yes or to say no. And that's the idea we need, to, I think, to hold as we think in terms of our little ones, the raising of our children. Very important uh, how we nourish these little ones. I want to say, I don't want to get into this too far, but let me just say this. I've never really heard anybody talk about these things, but let me just advance this just a little, just a little bit to you. Has anybody ever said to you that one of the most uh, important decisions you'll ever make as a young person, as a teenager, as a young person, young man, young woman, uh, there are some important decisions you will make in life? Has anyone ever said the most important decision you could ever make is the decision with regards to your relationship with the Lord Jesus? Right? The next most important decision you'll ever make is the decision with regards to whom you will marry. Because the decision with regards to whom you marry determines the personality, the character, the identity of your children who are brought into the world through that union. Now, these decisions are made sometimes uh, for a lot of different reasons. And people make those kinds of decisions based on whims sometimes, based on feelings, sometimes emotions, based on all kinds of different reasons. But just think about this with me. The seriousness of such a decision determines the identity of an individual or individuals who will be born into this world and their personality and the tendencies of their character and the propensities that they have, either a propensity towards this direction or a propensity towards another direction, or even a propensity to desire to hear the voice of the Lord God, or not. Now this moves me into a depth that is a tremendous depth. I do not want to go too far in this, but I just want to say, as we think about this, that is the most important decision you could possibly make. Make sure that you're until, let's say, until you have made, if you haven't made that decision yet, and earnestly seek the wisdom of the Lord. Pray fervently. Ask the Lord for guidance. You do not want to make a mistake on a decision as important as this. You actually, literally, will determine by that decision whether or not you're talking about a George. And by the way, I think you've, the two of you made a wonderful decision in this regard. I have known that from the beginning. I have. And I don't want to say this this morning to have people who are already married begin a whole process of cross-examination and second-guessing. I'm not talking about people who have already made the decision. I'm talking about those who have not yet made that decision. That's what I'm talking about. But the decision determines whether or not you'll be talking about a child who's born and naming him George with his personality and identity and propensities or whether it would be somebody with an entirely different name. So the importance is that these decisions are absolutely, fundamentally the most important decisions you'll ever make in life apart from a decision of your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And they must be made seriously, prayerfully. Seek the will of God 
in these. I'd like to read a passage of scripture with you. It's in Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1, and then a few comments, and then I'm going to present a little video that I want to present to you this morning. It's Galatians chapter 1. Let me begin to read at verse 11. This is the Apostle Paul, and he's giving a witness or a testimony about events from his own life. Of course, you know the Apostle Paul is the great apostle of the New Testament. A majority, perhaps, of the New Testament has been written by him. And these are his words. He says, Now I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel preached by me is not based on human thought. For I did not receive it from a human source, and I was not taught it, but it came by a revelation from Jesus Christ. What I want to, before I continue to read, I just want to say that the important element now that is presented by the apostle in these words is, you see, he was on his road, he was on the road to Damascus. And you remember, he, he was going to Damascus, and he was armed with warrants to arrest uh, believers in Damascus. And the, the uh, leadership in Jerusalem had given him this authority to arrest and to put in chains Christians in Damascus, bring them to Jerusalem for trial. Because, of course, Judaism and the religion in, 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 in Israel at the time was very hostile to the early uh, New Testament church. Apostle Paul was one of the ringleaders of this persecution of the church. And you remember how he was on the road to Damascus and it was at midday and he was arrested by the, by, by the Lord Jesus. And a great light from heaven, actually as a result of this intensity of this light, he was temporarily made blind and he fell to the ground. And you remember how that the Lord spoke to him and gave him information and instructions on what he should do. Well, immediately after this, as he realized that the one whom he had been persecuting, Jesus of Nazareth, which he thought was a false teaching within Israel, and he was persecuting those who adhered to that, now he has a revelation and a visitation from the Lord himself, and the Lord has basically communicated with him, and he realizes that he's being called and commissioned now as an apostle, of the New Testament. And now he realizes that he's an apostle and he's been being given a message that he must communicate and what is he going to do? What he said is, I did not receive it from what I'm proclaiming. I didn't receive it from a human source. I was not taught it, but it came by a revelation from Jesus Christ. And what I want to, what I feel should be said at this point is, and this would be addressed to all of you who are in the process of beginning families and raising children and have little ones arriving or have arrived. The most important thing, the most important thing in their spiritual lives and development is that as they are taught the truths of the New Testament, the truths of the Bible, that it must not be just the letter of the truth, but it must be the spirit of it. In other words, as you teach your children, and you will be moms and dads, you will be the primary spiritual teachers of your children. It's not a Sunday school teacher someplace or even a preacher someplace that's the primary teacher of your children. You are the primary teachers of your children. You must be prayed up and in right relationship with the Lord yourself so that when you share with your children the stories of David and Goliath, 
right? Or Samuel? Or the stories of Jesus as recorded in the New Testament? Or about the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus? When you talk to your children about these biblical truths, make sure that you have a sense of that in your own spirit where the story is alive to you and the reality of it is right there within you before you ever talk to your children about it. It's very simple, but it's very profound. I can remember when I was a little boy going to church where church was so boring to me that I could hardly wait to get out of there. I'd say to my mother, I still remember. <laughs> Pat's going <laughs> to... I hesitate to use these examples with this young lady sitting here. Because when I say I was a little boy and I was sucking my thumb and I was twisting my mother's ear, you know, I used to, the lobe of her ear, I used to, and then I'd suck my thumb. And she says he was 16 when he did this. <laughs> See, that's what she does. <laughs> but I wasn't 16. I was just a little fellow. But I remember during those periods of time, during those, and I hardly wait, I'd say, Mom, I need a drink. I need a drink. I'm just going to die if I don't get a drink. Can I get a drink? Can I get a, what's this going to be over? Is it, when's this going to be over? When's this going to be over? And they would drone to my ears as a little boy. It would drone on and on and on. But the things that I remember, the things that never, ever le- I found, I, in other words, I always found very interesting, was that anybody ever felt touched of the Lord upon their life? If somebody stood up and said something and the Spirit of the Lord was touching them as they said it, I always found that fascinating and interesting, and I remember many of those things to this very day. I remember them to this day. I remember my grandfather sitting over here, and as he would stand and say something with an emotion and with feeling. And I remember Sister Smith sitting over here. See, I remember these things. And your little ones will remember the things and be indelibly touched in their lives by the things that you say, the truths of the, of the Bible, but say it with feeling and conviction. I'm not saying you weep when you're saying Just make sure that you're filled with the truth of it in your spirit before you talk to them about it. Then you'll have to make a decision. But you are responsible for the spiritual lives of your children. It must, what must not happen is they must not grow up to be religious they must not grow up to be just on the surface, surface Christians. They must not grow up to have a form of godliness without any power. They must not grow up like that. Because those people are the hardest and most difficult to reach. Those people who are religious but without the Spirit are the most difficult for the Spirit of the Lord to convict and convince. That must not happen. So to prevent that from happening... Make sure that you communicate with the vibrancy of the Spirit of God in your words and in your feelings with your children. But make sure also that you do not subject them to teachers in Sunday school class or preachers in the pulpit who just make of them a little religious icon that have a form but do not have any life in it. And if they are exposed to that, as little ones, they'll grow up thinking that they're right with the Lord when in fact they are not. Don't let that happen to your children. You are responsible to make sure it doesn't happen. So what you're looking for is you're looking for people 
who feel the Spirit and are experiencing the Spirit of the Word as they communicate the letter of the Word. That's what it is. That's your responsibility. And so when Paul said, I did not receive it from a human source, then your little ones must come to a place in time as they advance in years where what they receive is not just from a human source either. But it's actually a communion from the Spirit of the Lord Himself. And he goes on and says, For you have heard about my former way of life in Judaism. I persecuted God's church to an extreme degree and tried to destroy it. I advanced in Judaism beyond many contemporaries among my people because I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. But when God who raised, excuse me, but when God who from my birth set me apart, called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I could preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. On the Amplified Bible in this verse 15, it says, But when he who had chosen and set me apart even before I was born and had called me by his grace. You see, there was a, what really happened is that the Apostle Paul was called, ordained, set apart by God before he was born to be an apostle of the New Testament church. But to look at his life when he was in his early 20s and mid-20s, you would have never thought that that would ever happen. He appeared to be the one who was the most antagonistic of all towards this new faith. He was an enemy of this faith. But even while he was an enemy of this faith, in the plan of God, he was set apart and ordained from before birth to be this great apostle. And he would become this great apostle when he was arrested on the road to Damascus by the Lord Jesus, when he was confronted by the gospel, when he was confronted by the Savior. Now, that was a very dramatic confrontation. But this confrontation must occur in the lives of your little ones. It won't be enough just for you to teach them to the best of your ability and to do all these things on their behalf. It won't be enough for you just to love them and desire heaven's best on their lives. That's great. But what must happen at the earliest possible moment, according to their intelligence level, is that they must be arrested by the Lord Jesus and arrested by the gospel and confronted by the Savior in a very personal way. When they are confronted by the Savior in this most personal way, there must be, from within them, come the acceptance or the embracing of what he says to them. And as they embrace and receive and submit and surrender to his claims and call upon their lives, the Spirit of God will come in and, and bring about a new birth within them. And this must occur. This is what you desire. And this is what we pray for. And if there ever was a time in the history of the world when this was absolutely essential, that time is now. That time is now. We're in that period of time right now. Now he goes on and says that he did not immediately consult with anyone. He said, I did not go to Jerusalem to those who had become apostles before me. Instead, I went to Arabia and came back to Damascus. And then after three years, I did go up to Jerusalem to get to know Peter 
and I stayed with him for 15 days. But I didn't see any of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now I am not lying in what I write to you. God is my witness. Afterward, I went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I remained personally unknown to the Judean churches in Christ. They simply kept hearing, He who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. You're familiar with Psalm 139. I want to, I'm just going to take my Bible and read a few verses from Psalm 139 that I'm going to close this morning. One other thing that I neglected to say, and this is very, very important. We say it by way of encouragement to you as you uh, raise your little ones. Uh, I mean, they're they're just so sweet, aren't they? They're just so sweet. And they're so lovely. And we just uh, thank the Lord for them all. But can I tell you a secret? They have been born with a self-centered nature. As sweet as they are, they have been born with a self-centered nature. So were you and so was I. The fundamentals of the gospel is to surrender and submit to the word of God and the call of God upon our lives, to submit to his call, surrender to his call. But if children grow up and are willful and never learn any kind of discipline and do whatever they want whenever they want to and don't learn the simple principles of doing what mom and dad say right? and doing it even from their own heart to do it. If they uh, don't learn that from mom and dad then it makes it more difficult for them to surrender even to the call of God upon their lives because it is a submission. It is a surrender. And they need to learn in the right way, in a gentle way, they need to learn to submit and surrender to the authority of their parents. And as they learn to submit and surrender to the authority of their parents, it will be easier for them with the idea of surrendering and submitting to the authority of God in their life. Very important. Let me read this. Psalm 139, it says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and, all, and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, 
Even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you. But the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. Remember, this is written 3,000 years ago. 3,000 years ago. By David, the sweet singer of Israel, the great king of Israel, the great psalmist. 3,000 years ago. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. See, God has precious thoughts towards you. You, me, all of us, everyone, none excluded from it, is a special purpose. And he has a special purpose for all these little ones. Recently born, yet unborn, all these new arrivals, he has a very special purpose. Mums and dads, ask the Lord to give you wisdom and guidance on what you should do and how you should function to enhance the likelihood of your little ones growing up in the grace and admonition of the Lord. It's a great responsibility that you have. The best way to do that is to get full of the truth and the Spirit of God yourself. Right? Get full of the Spirit of God and the truth of God yourself. Get full of the Spirit of God and the truth of God yourself. How do you do that? By walking in obedience to what you know to be true. As you walk in obedience to what you know to be right and true, then more truth will come. Walk in obedience to that, and more truth will come. Walk in the full light, fullness and the light of that, and greater grace will be given to you. This is the way it works. It's wonderful. He says, if I should count them, that is the thoughts of God toward us, If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand of the sea. Go down to the beach and take just a cup, a cup of sand, and spend the rest of the next month and count the grains of sand. I'll ask you in a month's time how many there were. (laughs) None of us will do that. Too difficult a task. Yet the psalmist says, when I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. He's not talking about a cupful. He's talking about the sand of all the seashores of all the earth. And he says, when I awake, I'm still with you. A number of years ago, we were watching a Gaither video, Bill Gaither video, and there were two uh, uh, husband and wife team. And they had recently written a great song. It's called He Saw Me. His name is Merle Ewing. His wife's name is Joan. So it's Merle and Joan Ewing. They wrote this song called He Saw Me. And here it is. He Saw Me. 
Stepped a pure and holy God And an awesome solitude He stood alone Not one faint star To give him light Just endless rolling Blackest night But somehow Through all the darkness He could see He saw mountains high and lofty He saw valleys lush and green He saw babbling brooks, wildflowers grow Even heard a robin sing But he felt a strange compassion As close to love as pain can be Standing out there in his tomorrows He saw Just like him Pure Clean And holy Spotless White Within But he saw me bound In heavy chains And long If I became like him, he must become like him. 